This week on The Zone of Truth, Griff and I welcome on Jason, the GM of the 25 North podcast, to discuss his show, third-party content, meat smoking, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a wheel save. You're in The Zone of Truth. And we're back. We're back. And I'm hyped today. I know. I this one's. I, I, I say this every week. This one's going to be a good one. Well, so, you're, finally, you're finally giving me a break from the constant mm-hmm. seltzer reviews. That's, yeah. And we have our first guest of the year on. I know. How exciting is that? It's super exciting. We don't have to drink trash and uh, we can talk to somebody fun. How cool is that? <laughs> it's, you, it's a move to a different form, I think. I think it's going to be a, a huge success. How are you doing this morning, Griff? I'm doing pretty good. We, yeah. uh, you know, we as a group kind of went to some craft stores. Mm-hmm. We're gearing up for uh, kind of like a Ren Fair esque festival that they do once a year in Michigan. I'm pretty excited for that in yeah. February. It's going to be real cold. So, uh, you know, it'll be good times. Absolutely. It's the first time I've been in a Joanne Fabrics in decades i don't know how they operate man they, they gave us so many discounts the they were basically giving us the fabric on the way out right i bought some fur that was supposed to be like faux fur guys watch it yeah faux fur. um it's supposed to be like 50 dollars a yard it was like 40 percent off i only needed half a yard for what i was trying to accomplish spent like 15 bucks yeah and then afterwards because we're turning it into like a big old wrap scarf for my cosplay that i'm putting together we were looking up like Faux fur scarves online, like $70, dollars $150. Made out like a fucking bandit. Yeah, 15. 15 yeah. and labor. Not bad. Well, yeah, labor too. Haley's working on that for me right now. But yeah, we had a, a very fun community night last night, community yeah. night 2023. It was great. Yeah, we had a lot of people out painting minis. I spilled yellow paint. Yeah, you became everywhere. the king of yellow in here. It sure that was did. ridiculous. There's yellow paint on our screens. It's lucky it didn't get on the camera. Yeah. And this morning, I don't feel great because. <laughs> couple beers but how about we just kick it off we got to introduce this guy enough bs and yeah enough bs so excited to have our first guest of the year on first guest in a long time but our guest this week is jason from the 25 north podcast if you're wondering what 25 north is 25 north is a pathfinder 2e actual play podcast playing through the jewel of the indigo isles a third-party adventure path published by the Roll for Combat team. The show celebrates both BIPOC and LGBT plus voices. Jason himself has over 20 years of GM experience and is an avid smoker of all sorts of meats. No further ado, welcome to the show. Jason, how you doing, man? Hey, Jason. What's happening, guys? Steve, Griff, what's going on? First of all, y'all putting a lot of pressure on me with talking about like we're going to have a great show and Oh, yeah. You know, we like to put the heat on. <laughs> yep. Start sweating. We know you can't have your AC on right now, so it's going to get hot. I don't mm-hmm. need my AC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> what temperature is it over there? Yeah, I don't know if you talk to Emily and Brooks, but right now it is six degrees Whoa. Fahrenheit. It's going to get down to like negative eight tonight, and the wind chill is supposed to be about negative 40. So, yeah, no need for an AC. 
Brutal. And so, so you're up in Minnesota. You're like next door neighbors with Brooks and Emily, right? I think we found that out when uh, during uh, like a community night or something that you joined. Right. Maybe it was a Discord or leave that you guys are like yeah. a couple miles apart or something. Well, well, yeah, we're on the opposite sides of towns, but um, yeah, we're in the same town. And I still need to meet up with them at some point. Um, <laughs> but it's way too fucking cold right now. So yeah, not tonight, man. Stay warm. Yeah. <laughs> no beer gardens open. No, no, no. Tonight. <laughs> No, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to be on. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, I'm stoked. Hell yeah, no yeah. problem. We're we're super hyped because not only do we get to start, you know, it was kind of our New Year's resolution to start talking about two e stuff on this show because a lot of it has been like a hideous laughter talk show in the past, and what better way to start 2023 with another two e GM of a two e podcast? in the midst of all this OGL stuff yeah. that specializes in third-party content. That's, you know, right. it's a triple factor. Right, yeah. Absolutely. it's been, It's been crazy. I think I've shared with uh, some of y'all, and I think I shared with Griff, that we've seen such a huge uptick on our show. Not only are, did we just, like, hit this perfect, like, triple 20 on the dartboard with it being a Roll for Combat published adventure... So we're getting like Mark Seifter and Steven Glicker hyping us up and shouting us out on their streams. And they've been streaming every day for the last two weeks. Because- yeah, yeah, they've Jesus. been they've been like live broadcasting the news of the OGL <laughs> since uh, the news broke that Wizards was trying to take it away. So we've been hitting that. On top of that, 2E is hitting this huge, massive resurgence. Like I think Eric Mona was saying that they're completely sold out of core rule books. Yeah, eight, eight months, months of stock. Yeah, like, in like six, two weeks. 16 yeah. times as faster than they anticipated. They're doing an emergency printing, and so they're going to have an emergency printing out in April. It's crazy. Mm. Yeah. It's nuts. And I think the biggest thing there is, like, with all these folks coming over from 5e, you know, print is the king in 5e content. So it's like, <laughs> right. they probably, you know, are more likely than the average Pathfinder player to buy the uh, physical edition versus the PDF. So they're just gone. Like the beginner boxes have been hyped up so much. Those are gone. Right. The soft cover book is almost gone from what yep. I last heard. And that, that was one that I think they had an extended print run on just because it's like, well, we can sell soft covers when, you know, whenever we can just keep a stack of them. That's insane. Crazy. And on top of that, the like the backlash to I guess it's not an official announcement to to basically six edition being completely digital. It's just oh, like yeah, yeah. everybody just wants hard copy, man. Yeah. Have you talked to your buddies over at Roll for Combat at all about how the waves affecting them? I'm sure it's yeah, like, yeah. I'm sure it's you know rising tide for everyone but wizards. <laughs> right, right. Stephen Glicker had mentioned that they are doing a second run printing because they use the same printer as mm-hmm. Paizo of all their 2E stuff too. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, he, said, he said all their 5E stuff is they still have plenty of supply, but all their 2E mm-hmm. stuff is getting real low, so they're doing an emergency print too. That's awesome. That's Good great for them. You, you love to hear that. Right. Rocks. Right. And I think the other biggest one, and I, I haven't heard anything from them, is Jason Nelson the Legendary. I don't know if they've mm-hmm. had a huge demand at all. I don't know if you've heard anything, Griff. No, I haven't heard anything from Legendary. I know they're they're one of the bigger players in Pathfinder third-party stuff, but I feel like a lot of their stuff had stuck with First Edition maybe a little bit further mm-hmm. into 2E's cycle than some of the other third-party uh, creators. So I'm not sure what, they, like, 
I myself don't even know what their flagship 2e book is. Right. So it could be that they just have a bunch of smaller 2e supplements and hopefully they're doing okay by virtue of most of those being digital. Right. Um, yeah. And to be honest, I'll let you mention it. All of legendary stuff that I have is a PDF. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I would love to get a hard copy of that Gothic campaign compendium. Right. It's been Ooh. out of print. It's been out of print for like 10 years, but it was something I used for carrying crown that I is close to my heart. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's get the show on the road here. Let's do a quick round Y'all drinking something this morning? Uh, I can kick it off here. I'm starting with this Mio cocktail. I mixed up uh, some acai berry with the watermelon strawberry varietal. Just starting to jumpstart my morning, and then I'll uh, transition. It's two in the afternoon. I know. It feels like the morning. (laughs) Then I'll be transitioning into an old style in a little bit. Uh, How about you, Jason? What you drinking? I mixed myself a Knob Creek Rye Old Fashioned. Ooh. That sounds great. I knew that we were on for quite a while, so I made a double. And I did... Um, My man. Angostura and orange bitters. So That sounds awesome. Griff. I, uh, I myself uh, am far too lazy to do that, so <laughs> I, I poured myself a Rocks. I think it's Woodford Cask. Ooh, All right. nice. And then I, uh, my, my pops got me for Christmas. He was like, hey can't have you uh, sitting around the house without any bourbon for a full week. No. <laughs> never. <laughs> All right. Papa Norman looking the agenda. out. Absolutely. He never yeah. lets us down. What you guys been up to lately? What's what's tickling your fancy? Let's do this reverse style. Griff, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, let me go first because I think you guys have a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so, for me, big thing that I watched that I didn't really know I had much of a desire to watch is Vox Machina. Really? I saw the I saw the ad for season two, and you know, speaking of all this OGL stuff, I know Critical Role is like wrapped up in all of that too, and I'm kind of curious how they're gonna handle the whole situation. But they seemed fairly community forward with their statements, so I figured I'd give it a watch, and I actually really enjoyed it. It's as I guess r-rated as a normal t- table of adults playing Pathfinder or D and D, so the gores. Cranked up to 11, you know, F-bombs are dropping everywhere, and it's all animated, and so it's really fun. I know nothing of the Critical Role story, so I, I, you know, I've never really listened to Critical Role. I might have listened to, like, the first three episodes of Vox Machina Season 1, so I, I know nothing about it, but the characters are really cool, and it's just a really cool medium to see a tabletop party play out. You don't really see that in most fantasy, so sure. it's it's just fun to, you know, when Grog rages, it's like, yes, this is mechanically a barbarian, I see it happening in the, mm-hmm. in the show. So uh, that's what I've been into lately. I also, you know, with this Nordic Fire Festival that we're going to, uh, I'm breaking out the leatherworking tools. Haley's family was very generous for Christmas and got me like this whole starter set of all these tools so i have a good foundation so i'm hoping to go to tandy leatherworks tomorrow and get myself some, some big chunks of leather to hopefully make a breastplate and some uh, shoulder pads we'll see how it goes yeah you're showing me the designs or the patterns that you had bought before this right before we started recording and it looked really cool so if you can pull it off it's gonna be yeah. sweet. Yeah, I guess I'd say anyone that's interested in that kind of stuff. We have one guy in our server who now goes by Leather Lad. That's like 
has just started it as a hobby kind of, but he's mm-hmm. been he's been ramping up the quality of stuff. He's been doing really fast, so he's a good person to talk to. And I've gotten patterns, armor patterns specifically from Black Raven Academy and Prince Armory. And those are two, I mean, they do great tutorials on like even YouTube videos on how to cut the stuff, put it together, you know, finish it, dye it, etc. So it almost feels like a Lego set once you have that, yeah. <laughs> that kind of backing, like that kind of tutorial. So I'm excited to get started. Very fun, man. Well, Jason, All right. what have you been up to lately, man? So let me break it down here. So I, there's the shows that I watch with my spouse. Okay. And then there's the shows that I watch on my own. Okay. So let me start with the ones I watch on my own, because the ones that I watch with my spouse, you and you and I will have a conversation on. Perfect. For on my own, I got into the the whole Yellowstone universe. And okay, yeah. Oh yeah. So like I said, my dad got me into Yellowstone a number of years ago, and I just stuck with it. They have a new series, um, 1923, that I kept up on, and it's okay. That one's kind of broken up into like three different storylines, and it stars like Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford, and it's okay. Like th- there's one storyline that takes place in Africa that's really phenomenal. But the other two are just kind of meh. And then sure. I started a like murder mystery show last night on my own. I only got through the first episode. It's called The Devil's Hour. Devil's, the Devil's Hour. Hour. What's that on? It's on Amazon and it stars Peter okay. Capaldi. Oh, okay. he's good. Yeah, yeah. It just came out last year. It's like a British murder mystery. I only got through the first episode. So that one was like kind of like creepy and good so i'm good i'm pretty hyped to watch that sweet that sounds awesome then the shows that i watch with my partner we watch poker face that's the new ryan johnson murder mystery show on peacock starring natasha leone that's really good it's basically like knives out the tv series oh nice it's awesome it's so good well does somebody have a Benet Blanc accent? No, no, no. There's no, <laughs> <laughs> there's no Benet Blanc, Blanc but, yeah. but it explains why, why Natasha Leone had that cameo in Glass Onion. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's really good. I recommend it. There's only four episodes out right now. But yeah, it's okay. it's awesome. Poker Face. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Big Knives Out fan. We love Glass Onion over here. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hell yeah. And then, of course, The Last of Us. Yeah, this was also on my list. Yeah, I'll pause on that one. And then as mm-hmm. far as other things, um, I just posted earlier today that uh, my son and I, we got the Lego Star Wars Skywalker saga. Nice. So, yeah, that's fun. My kid's six years old, so it's a button masher for him. And he just likes like breaking Legos and collecting all the bits. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a good time for him. And um, yeah, we finished episode four, episode five. And then we went to episode one and two, and then we're, we're basically doing like a a Lego Star Wars version machete order. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, I actually didn't get in, as far in that as I would have liked to. I need to go back to it. I did pretty much all of the prequel trilogy and then got distracted with other games. But I got to get back yeah. into it because I know it's it. so fun and it's hilarious. Yeah. It's hilarious. Like all mm-hmm. the like Lego gags that like Star Wars movie nerds would just were, would be the only ones that would pick up on. Like, yep. why the hell did the stormtrooper bonk his head in, mm-hmm. in New Hope? Like, they they, put, they do a gag on that in the Lego Star Wars. It's great. 
It's I feel fun. like all the Lego games have that Lego movie humor, mm-hmm. which I think the Lego movie yeah. was like, you know, very high tier humor for what I expected. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's just so fun to play with a kid. Like <laughs> The kid just loves it. He loves playing R2. He loves playing R2 because R2 has like a basically a butt stomp. And he just loves jumping. <laughs> and, yeah. He just loved jumping and butt stomping on Darth Maul. <laughs> I've definitely talked about this game before on the show, but I'm fine talking about it again. <laughs> I think I made this exact same point, but the character models are so fun. Yes. Like, I remember like running around as Jar Jar and all his limbs are flailing all over the place like a goof. It's so funny. And 3PO can split himself off and he can just yes. his upper Strange body. Strange power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can run the legs around by themselves. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's great. great. Nice. All right, well, as far as my list goes, yes, The Last of Us. Couple quick thoughts. I'm going to be as spoiler-free as possible because this is a super hot show right now and only two episodes are out as of recording this episode. But what I've heard is that it follows the video game very well. I haven't played either of the games, although I know most of the big story beats from, I don't know, pop culture. This is kind of a phenomenon of a game fucking fabulous yeah it's so well shot there's a sequence in the first episode that takes place within a truck and the camera never leaves the truck and it really makes you feel like you're in the truck and it's very scary pedro pascal incredible in it whoever designed the sets deserves a medal like it's just cool to look at chris is a big fan as well and the point that i made to him last night or the night before maybe was that watching the last of us feels like I'm once again reliving all of the things that I enjoyed about The Walking Dead. Right. Like some of the set design, some of the characters, some of the acting, like there were some things that really, really worked about that show. And they've like distilled the best things from that show into The Last of Us and it rocks. Yeah. So good. I was, I think I made the point to Chris in the server too that the characters are so spot on. The actors are so spot on. Mm -hmm. I was a little worried about Anna Torv as Tess just sure. because I wasn't the biggest fan of Fringe. So I only knew of her from that show. So I was just like, uh, maybe, I guess. I, I, I'll give it a shot. But no, she sold it, man. Especially episode two. She yeah. was phenomenal in episode two. Like that, She was the highlight of that episode. Yeah, it's super well done. And even some of the trickery that they use with the, with the CGI... Like just the CGI backgrounds and how yeah, they looks great. How they light some of the backgrounds to make it feel more real. And just mm-hmm. like the sun's reflections off of the buildings and how like those interact with the characters who are real. And this mm-hmm. how the CGI lighting, just those little nuances just to add a little bit of realism to it. It's great. Yeah, it's I mean it's early to call it, but it's been already renewed for a second season. This is fucking phenomenal. I'm really enjoying it. I think it made Chris by HBO Max. Right, yeah. <laughs> Which is, it did. You, <laughs> you never expect it from the guy, but he wants to get the show immediately when it releases. Absolutely. The other thing that I wanted to talk about is a show that I just started this past week and I'm almost done with the one season that is out. It is a show that's on Showtime called Yellow Jackets. Oh my God, this is extremely my shit distilled down to its most basic parts it's like a modern lord of the flies 
essentially you're following these two parallel storylines, one that takes place in the past and then one that takes place in present day. And the past is about 25 years ago. The past story is this high school girls soccer team that's going to nationals and they're in a private plane. Private plane goes down in the wilderness in the middle of like the Rockies and they need to survive. It's very heavily implied that they do some really horrific shit to survive, Lord of the Flies style, but you don't explicitly see what that is for some time. And it's heavily implied that they start eating each other, cannibal style. But you don't exactly know who ate who, uh, who killed who, who was good, who was bad. There's a big mystery component into it, which leads into the present day storyline, which is a select few surviving women from this team are living their day to day lives. And some stuff is starting to dredge itself up that happened while they were away. And so they're trying to figure out like if there's a leak, like because they have secrets that they're trying to hide. And mm. guys, there's so much drama. Yeah, well, yeah, there's yeah. so much drama. I love it. If what I, if I, what like, if the Dahmer party survived? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And so you see some really like horrifying injuries and gore and stuff. So it has a little bit of like a thriller or horror component to it. The score is awesome. And some of the characters are pretty broad. There's like the religious girl and (laughs) the like punk alt girl and like the captain of the team. Like they do fit into like little stereotypical roles, but the acting within those roles is phenomenal. That kind of enhances the Lord of the Flies nature of it, though, Mm -hmm. realistically. I mean, that's kind of how Lord of the Flies was was done is that like these kids are kind of falling into these roles and to have them already inhabit those kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's really good. I love it. They're just so such good actors. I I love it. It's it's phenomenal. Check out Yellow Jackets, guys. I only have two episodes to go and it's about to drop a second season, I think, in March. I think I told you that once uh, football season's over, I'm canceling Mm -hmm. my YouTube TV subscription and then I want to get a Showtime subscription to watch your honor and then also to watch uh, yellow jackets hell yeah man check it out oh man speaking of football season it's like i'm living in heaven right now so (laughs) i I could i say that because you know nothing has happened yet this weekend but like eagles i'm from philly oh i didn't know you're from philly yeah awesome and uh but like especially enamored after last year like love the Bengals. big fan of the Bengals. Big fan of Joe Burrow. I mean, like, you got to be from this area. Like, I would say I've never really been excited about anything Browns, but I definitely have been with um, with the Bengals, probably because, as fair weather would dictate, the Bengals have been mm-hmm. better than the Browns for the time period that I've lived in Columbus. But, man, I really don't think it'll happen. But if I get a freaking eagles Bengals Super Bowl... I'm calling it sick to work the next day. (laughs) I'll dress up for that. All right. So we got to get to the meat of this episode. Let's start by talking about the 25 North podcast a little bit, Jason. I got a ton of questions from you. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Sweet. So I gave the listeners a little bit of a preview of what the show is up top here. But how about we hear it in your words? What should our listeners expect if they're tuning into the 25 North podcast? What is it? So the way I describe it to folk is that 
if y'all want to hear a pirate-themed, island-hopping, treasure-hunting, rum-fueled, raucous, wild good time, that's what this adventure is. If I could describe it in pop culture terms, take the feeling of Guardians of the Galaxy and paste a pirate aesthetic over it, that's what this podcast is. That seems like that could work pretty easily. Right? (laughs) Right? Yeah, it's written by some Paizo veterans, so you know it's good quality. It's Patrick Rainey did book one. Mm-hmm. Ron mm-hmm. Lundin did book two. Just read Night of the Grey Death that he wrote for Pathfinder 2E. Phenomenal. So, yeah. I played Night of the Grey Death, and um, good lord, mm-hmm. it's it's hard. It's yeah, it's be. hard. <laughs> <laughs> and then did, did you have a shout out for the author for book three? Yeah, Linda Zayas Palmer. Hell oh, yeah. Awesome. Hell yeah. yeah. That's a that's, that's a stacked. great, yeah. great roster there. Yeah. Steven Glicker was one who developed it. So it was his brainchild and he pulled in some Paizo vets mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. put it up for him. I was having a conversation with him. Book three is wild. Book three is yeah. wild. And I was talking to him yesterday and he was like, I feel so bad for the assignment I gave Linda, but she pulled it <laughs> off. Rock and roll. Awesome. You love yeah. to hear it. I just want to mention this really quick because like, one of the coolest things about your show to me is how you and Roll for Combat are like in contact a lot. Yeah. And you've gotten this content early. So this is like not only like if you want to hear great 2E, but like if you want to hear what this adventure is about, you can actually like hear it almost before or in time with the stuff getting released. Right. So that's really unique in terms of Pathfinder podcast in general playing an adventure. It's like, yeah, most of us at best can get it a month ahead of time and put out two episodes before the thing's out to the world. You know, you guys have had some, I mean, especially in the beginning, had a lot of runway before even the first book was out where you could kind of showcase what this is. Yeah, we were really fortunate with that. When we made the decision to choose this as our as our podcast, I had reached out to Steven and said, hey, this is who we are. This is the crew. This is kind of our mission statement. And we'd love to get access to your show. Even if it's just early content, you know, I've already backed you. I've already paid for it. I'm not trying to swindle you here or anything, but um, if I could just get a look at it, I don't even have to publish anything before you publish it. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And he gave me early access to book one. And then he, I was like, awesome. So I, I started reading it. I started prepping it. And I was like, I'm ready to go. What can I use for a go live date? And he's like, oh, you know, here, shoot for this date. And I was like, all right, fine. Done. We recorded. We got it going. I put it out there. I set it for our go live date. And then he's like, hey, you know, book one's not actually going to be ready yet, but feel free to stick to your go live date. So we got That's about cool. We got about 10 episodes before book one even released. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. He's been super cool to work with. I can't say enough good things about Steven. He's been a joy and a pleasure. Yeah. So we got a little bit of the how there, mm-hmm. like the, the pacing for how we started. Let me get a little bit of the why. Why branch out to a third party creator like this when there's a, a bunch of adventure paths out there today? Like what what drove you in this direction? Right. Yeah. I always wanted to do something a little different. Mm-hmm. I wanted to stick to 2E. 2E was... You know, I'm, I was a longtime first edition player and a longtime first edition GM. As a matter of fact, my very first AP I ever ran was Curse of the Crimson Throne. 
So, so you you all you all have a special place in my heart, and I shout you out all the time for Curse of the Crimson Throne because it's probably my favorite adventure. I honestly like, yeah, me too. I really love it. Yeah, but when I was looking at Tui content, I wanted to do something a little different. AV had just come out, and it felt like everybody and their mother was doing AV. Like everybody's doing Abomination Vaults. Quest for the Frozen Flame wasn't really ticking any boxes for my party. I enjoy it. I'm running it personally for another group. But for my party, they weren't really feeling it. And I wanted to get something that they were feeling. Everybody wanted to do something fun, something more light. And then when I noticed that, hey, Battles is doing a Kickstarter. And in that Kickstarter is this adventure. And I was Mm -hmm. like, all right, hey, this might be a good idea. So I tossed it out there to the crew and I was like, well, you don't have to do a Paizo show. We could do this and we could do Jewel of the Illegal Isle. It's pirates. And everyone's like, fucking pirates? Hell yeah, let's do pirates. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Hell yeah. That was uh, also our response when Griff said, hey, you guys want to do Skull and Shackles maybe? Fucking pirates? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's do pirates, right. man. Then I was, I was like, all right, awesome. Well, I was like, if we're going to do this third party thing, let's go all in on third party. Like, mm-hmm. let's let's make this the focus of our show. We know Battlezoo are doing phenomenal work. Like, Roll for Combat are doing phenomenal work. But what other third-party shit can we highlight, can we focus on? And let's do that. And so we that's where we decided, you know what, let's really lean into third-party and use this platform to showcase third-party content. There's a lot of good creators out there, but mm-hmm. it feels like they're not... They're not as wide known and people aren't shouting them out nearly as much as like in the 5e circles. Yeah, I find that a lot with Pathfinder, honestly. And I think the <laughs> it's weird because I think the stigma kind of comes from first edition. And I'll say it in terms that like I don't think the first edition third party content was ever bad in any way. I just think that by maybe year seven or eight of first edition's life, there was so much out there to to moderate as a GM just in first party content that it was like almost any GM you played with would poo poo any third party stuff because it's like I have so much to look up already. Come right. on, guys, please! Like, yeah. I'm not doing spheres of might and power. I'm not doing right. I'm not doing all this other stuff, you know. And that kind of carried into second edition in I think a negative way because. There was already some great stuff out there when it was just kind of like core rule book, bestiary one and two. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, I think the legendary kineticist had come out mm-hmm. around that time, and it's like, guys, this is like actually pretty darn well balanced in terms of Pathfinder right. classes and that kind of stuff. And it didn't, you know, I, I'm sure it's it's a very successful third party product, but it didn't seem like it was something that people were allowing at their table very frequently, despite the fact that the math is so much tighter in 2E and it's much easier to vet the fact that it's a fair class. Right. So it's really cool to see somebody highlight all of that and show that like, hey, I have somebody playing a first party ancestry and then I have a guy playing a dragon and it's not, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. it's, and it's not, they're, you know, they're not rubbing up against each other. The guy that's playing a dragon isn't like overshadowing everybody, you know? Right, right. So, Jason, we're talking about third-party content. Sounds like your philosophy behind third-party content is that you're very pro third-party content. 
I don't know if you wanted to expand on that at all. I feel like we kind of hit it, but I also do want to hear, are there any other third-party supplements that your show uses? Maybe stuff that you want to shout out right. and cool subsystems or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the things that's really cool, and it's one of the things that I've shouted out in multiple discords now, is the Monster Part system. Yes, and, you're a big proponent of it on ours. Yeah. And I don't know anything about it. So, yeah, let me let me give you the ABCs of the Monster Part system. It basically replaces the rune system in Pathfinder 2. So it's not meant for every adventure. It is meant for adventures that are wilderness-based or survival-based, where the party themselves won't get the opportunity to get those shopping montages. They're not sure. going to be able to go to town to buy their runes, to buy the the fundamental runes and all that other stuff. It, and what it does is instead of that, you take a monster and you basically carve them up into pieces and use the magical essences of those monsters to A, refine your weapons. So that's basically given that your potency runes, like your plus ones mm-hmm. and your strikings. And then you can imbue it. That's basically like your fire runes and your other kinds of runes. So every monster has a value in monster parts and depending on the type of monster and what they can do they can break down into the different refinements and the different imbuements there will be a bit more tracking more accounting mm-hmm. involved yeah. because mm-hmm. you gotta okay you're using this many parts from this monster for this weapon and yada 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 but ultimately i think it is super cool because it allows the players to cr- truly create a unique weapon that is their own like it is like this weapon, like this great sword, has the handle of you know an owl bear, and and you can they can describe it however they want it, and which I think is super fucking cool. Well, yeah. I, I, there's so many people out there, you know, me included, that are TTRPG fans and also big fans of like the Monster Hunter series, mm-hmm. and I think this system scratches that itch so well, in that you know in Monster Hunter. You go out and you hunt these massive monsters and you're collecting parts off of them and different parts of them can create different styles of weapons, but the weapons are all kind of like themed around that monster because it's made out of their parts and has different properties. Like if I'm attacking and killing over and over a monster that's like, that does electricity damage, usually like if I make a hammer out of that, it's going to have this big sonic boom uh, electricity Mm -hmm. attack. And the monster part system sounds like it does exactly that. Exactly. Where it's like, hey, you know, I really want my weapon to do necrotic damage. Maybe I'm going to go hunt. Like, I know, you know, this spot has a bunch of undead. Maybe I'm going to actively go, go, like, gather resources yep. from there to try and build that into my weapon or use sure. those use those energies in the sword I'm building so that I can, yeah. you know, then take on and the whatever living enemy I have. That's cool as hell. The other really cool part, too, is that um, all these monsters, like, they're not metal. So the druid can fully oh, make use of all those parts, man. Yeah. That's nice. Cool. Yeah. That's cool as hell. So, yeah, uh, the Rizzerk in our party is, he's fully, he's fully planning on decking himself out in these badass, like, monster part shields and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love it. The other thing that I got a hold of is the Herbalist Primer. The Herbalist okay. Primer is exactly what it is. It's a whole like Herbalist guide. So it's, it kind of enhances herbalism. Haven't had a whole lot of opportunity yet to use it just because we've been in this kind of go, go, go mentality. But book two has a lot more downtime in it. 
where I'm allowing Rizzerk, our druid, to really kind of lean into some more of those, the herbalism part of it. So that's a little bit of a teaser for the listeners. <laughs> sure. Ooh, that's awesome. My follow-up question there is, do you have any advice for other GMs or players when it comes to selecting third-party content? Like in the 2E space, do you feel comfortable? We're, we talked about how it has... Yeah. A little tighter math. Do you feel yeah. comfortable when someone comes up to you and says, hey, I want to do this. Let's add it into the campaign. I don't know. It's kind of an open-ended question. You're very pro third-party content. Yeah. But are there any checks and balances that you put in place that you want to, might want to recommend or something of the like? Yeah, I think right now the third-party space is pretty small right now. There's not a whole lot of third-party creators out there. Some of the mm-hmm. bigger players are, like, like we mentioned, uh, Legendary Games, Roll for Combat's pretty big. Eldritch Osiris games, they're getting pretty big out there. Do you remember? That's Sean. Yeah, Sean. Eldritch really? Horror. Yeah, it's Sean. Oh, Sean, uh, he's OG. You listen to our podcast Sean from like to our, day one. Just listen to Hideous Laughter when we released our fourth episode. Yeah, yeah. Sean's Sean's in our Discord too. He's a he's a great guy. Yeah, he, Good dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He keeps me honest when it comes to rules. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first supplement I used from him, and we didn't like. We ended up not you know, taking it too far because I was using book loot, but he had like that potions guide. Do you the remember? Filters. The, the filters. filters. Instead yeah. of potions. Yeah. yeah. Where where you could like, you could have like a multi swig potion in first edition and you could like spend the same amount of actions essentially with a filter, like chugging two or three to get like triple healing or whatever it was. It was cool. I remember we, we did fall off of that kind of quickly just because it you're right there is already so much gear and loot and nonsense to deal with in first edition but i always did think that was super clever yeah that was awesome yeah team plus is another good one those who are familiar with it their big thing is clerics plus they did an expansion on clerics and they're they're available oh yeah is that um that um dairy is that dairy from yeah yeah from uh Dice will roll. Dice will roll. Yeah. 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 So I love it because Derry does all the art, I think. Yep. Yeah, he does. Oh, have fun. I think there was a Gunslingers Plus, too. Or yeah, something I think so. Along those lines. Yeah. Does all the art for the covers. Yeah, but I'm a big cleric guy. Like, if I play a class, generally it's going to be a cleric because that's it's my main class. It's what I've been playing for ever since I was, I've been playing. It's always been a cleric. So, Clerics Plus is a, I'm a big fan of that. Element, so, hell yeah. But yeah, as far as. You got to make sure that that it's balanced. And the good thing about supplements these days is that generally you can check the reviews and the comments on Infinite to make Mm -hmm. sure that it's Mm -hmm. balanced because folks will call it out if it's not good. I love it because 2E has been birthed and built on playtest. I feel like that that mindset has made its way into the Infinite community and into the third party community where, you know, Somebody will either, I, like, I've even seen people before they post something on Infinite post it to, you know, their Discord or whatever and be like, hey, do you guys, does anyone mind playtesting this? Right. I'm sure that existed in first edition, but I don't think it was anywhere near as, like, the norm. Yeah. I don't think so either. I don't think social media was nearly as prevalent back then, too. So it's like, true. Sure, you sure, can't really sure. rely on user reviews and user comments, like, back then, too. So, like, I mean, yeah. shit like uh, Vow of Poverty. That shit wouldn't fly these days. <laughs> Good lord! Not wrong. I can't. It, I can't remember. It might hit an HLP one shot. That, yeah. that's where it might fly. 
Oh, uh, yeah, my GM allowed my cleric to take Vow of Poverty in our 3-5 game. Yeah, it was, it was a bit busted. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, so I do want to circle back to the 25 North podcast itself. I got a couple ra- like rapid-fire questions yeah. that I think you could probably clean up quick because we got to talk about meat and we got some listener yep. questions. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So... So but yeah, let's let's focus on the podcast stuff because we yeah. wanna We want people to listen to your show, goddammit. Yeah. Alright. So we know it's a pirate campaign. Give me the hook though. Alright, alright. So the party are invited by the Royal Red Feathers. They are the royal family of Goldcrop Island. Their seat is in the town of Rumplank. Rumplank is famous, A, because it is a town that is basically a never-ending party. B it was founded by a legendary pirate by the name of Poppy Von Barnacle. Now, Poppy's legend states that when she died, she had left a map that led to her treasure. To this day, nobody's found it. However, recently, somebody has found half the map. Now, the Royal Red Feathers pulled together an interview, basically, to put together an adventuring party to try to find the other half of the map. Mm-hmm. Now you, the party, are the four that have been chosen by the royal family to find the other half of the map. And that is the hook for book one. That sounds very like traditional pirates romp through the Caribbean type of mm-hmm. like story. And I kind of love it. That's yep. awesome. Yes. Uh, That's why I've loved listening to you guys so far because this story is pirates cranked to 11. (laughs) Like every big pirate thing so far, at least for me has been like encompassed and it's been, it's like, yes, this is a huge quest for treasure. Yes. You know, we're going to do research and we're going to go to, you know, this Island and this Island is like ramped up to 11 in this aspect. And, you know, and for me that creates like the ultimate tabletop, pirate adventure and you know i i don't know how books two and three go but as far as from what i've listened it seems like you're gonna get to play out like a good chunk of pirate tropes that everyone Mm -hmm. at the table really wants to play and for me i think that's like that's the most fun way you can write a pirate adventure is to is to include all of that absolutely because you know obviously we'll be doing skulls and shackles which is a pirate adventure Mm-hmm. You know, as you guys are doing Indigo Isles, I think Indigo Isles is has much more headspace for like good guy pirates than Shackles does. Yeah. Has much more headspace for like you're an actual adventurer that's also a pirate and gets to do these awesome pirate things versus like you're a pirate and your life is shit for a while. Yeah. There's a big difference between like X marks the spot type pirate and like I need the deck for half a book pirate. I need to to pillage this merchant ship or else I'm going to die on the open water. Yeah, it's basically like Master and Commander versus Muppets Treasure Island. Perfect. (laughs) That's a great that's a great way to explain that. Yeah. All right. You said earlier three books, right? Mm -hmm. What are we talking about? Level range. Are these you know, your standard comparable okay. to like abomination vaults where you're getting a 10 by the end. Yes and no. So let me let me say yes. So level range is yes. This is a one to eleven adventure. By the end of book cool. three, they will be eleven. Lengthwise equates out to a six book AP. Oh, interesting. I, I remember you saying that in the server, because you guys are 
how many episodes are you in? We are point? we are thirty one episodes in. They're only level three. And how far would you say you are into book one? We are about two thirds of the way through book one. Yeah. So okay. so if you if you compare that to the average Paizo one, it's mm-hmm. like maybe where they are right now might be the end of book one. Yeah. For a good chunk of adventures. Like, yeah. So yeah. And y'all would probably be maybe level four. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Probably level four. Four or five, depending on track. And they still have an, a whole nother dungeon to go. So there's two dungeons at the end of book one. They're about halfway through the second to last dungeon, and they have a whole other dungeon to go afterwards. I don't know if you know off the top of your head, how long was book one, like page count wise? I can pull it up right now. And so, yeah, I will pull it up while you go to the next question, Steve. <laughs> awesome. All right. So. I heard a lot of names that I wasn't familiar with. Indigo Isles, Rumplank. Mm-hmm. Um, where does this take place? Is this in a corner of Galarian? Is this a, a different world? And if it's not Galarian, do you still use the Pathfinder like gods and famous people and organizations? I am glad you asked, uh, Mr. Strapple. So let me let me hit you up with uh, the answer to your previous question. Okay. Book one is 109 pages. Holy shit. Yeah. So is, that's, is that pure adventure or adventure and back matter? That's pure adventure. That's longer. So yeah, if you, <laughs> definitely you think, longer. Again, yeah, for, for the listeners that don't like read through books, that's significantly doubled. So that might even be more than double of what you usually, you usually get maybe 50, 52 mm-hmm. in a yeah. normal Paizo adventure book Yeah, of adventure. And then there's like 10 pages of back matter. But. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where I kind of did the bulk of my prep work was I knew that I wanted to place the Indigo Isles in to Galarian. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that head scratching and that prep work was where do I want to place it? And so I did a lot of research. I chatted with a lot of a lot of lore hounds that I know. Mm-hmm. A couple of them that are um, that we that share quite a few of the servers that we're all in. Shout out to Corey and Ellie. And ultimately decided that, yes, I will basically take these islands and place them in Galarian. And they're basically an archipelago off the coast of the ruins of Aslant. Oh, dope. So they're not part of the ruins of Aslant. They're just kind of a chain of islands off the coast of them. And I am doing a lot of, and I you can't see it here, but I have a storyboard. Call it my murder board. Got some <laughs> um, index cards. I don't have the string, but I got the index cards up there where I am building my own plot and I'm using the cold opens to create that plot thread on how I am weaving in Galarian lore into these. So the Free Captains, the Chelish Navy, Besmara, they're all part of this story and I'm weaving them into it. Mm-hmm. So there is a cult in in the main plot of the adventure that I am working into, massaging into Galarian and vice versa, that um, I'm taking some Galarian aspects and modifying the cult to fit this world too. So I've also gone to, and um, I'm playing with some of the gods too. And that mm-hmm. was something that I was a little iffy on. It's like the deities are so central to Galarian how much do I want to make them my own? And then I said, just no, fuck it. So I went and created my <laughs> own. I went and created my own Herald. Nice. I created Davy Jones. 
Davy Jones is now a herald of Besmar. Hell yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Right? Right? Yeah. Exactly. Rocks. <laughs> exactly. So I created my own herald of Besmar, and, and his name is Davy Jones. And so he's becoming pretty important. I created an NPC by the name of Lupus Gallo, who is an admiral in the Chelish Navy. That's really going to play a central role. As he's a central figure in one of the characters' backstories. It's going to play a central role in the plot, the meta plot that I'm weaving. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm yeah. I'm, I'm glad you asked because this is one of my big the biggest things of 2023 that I'm really looking forward to is weaving in all these seeds that I've been planting along the way with the cold opens into the actual plot of the adventure. Okay. I think that's so- important for for a show like yourself that's looking to grow your audience, especially with the people that love Pathfinder, it's a little bit of a barrier to entry if it's like, okay, we are using the Pathfinder 2E system, but you need to learn brand new, you know, all the brand new gods, the brand new setting, brand new organizations. You got to build some runway there. Mm-hmm. But if you're able to port over the stuff that's already feel like kind of already feels like home to some of these listeners, I think that makes the transition a lot easier. It makes like some of the third party content that might be a little bit of a barrier of entry to people go down a little smoother. Right. So uh, I don't need any uh, hard answers here, but I, I had I just had an idea while you were talking about that. I wanted to float here on the zone of truth. You know, both our adventure paths are going to feature heavily the Chelish Navy. Mm hmm. And, you know, I'm something of a fan of the evil interlude format Mm -hmm. that we've done in our Carrying Crown show. So I'm wondering if it might be a fun experiment for the two of us GMs to uh, take each other's party through a little uh, Chelish Navy training or Chelish Navy introduction, a little little Chelish, uh, Chelish Navy interlude. Ooh, that'd be fun. So uh, you you and I could take that offline, but that's something that I was just <laughs> I was just thinking of. I was like, wow, okay, if he's bringing in the Chelish Navy, Chelish Navy is going to be important to both of our stories at some point. Oh, that would be a really fun yeah. opportunity to do something with that. Because yeah. um, I know I know my players like to play the bad guys once in a while, and so float, float that to your groups. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I'm sure that they would be all all, all about that. <laughs> Could be fun. Could be. It definitely would be fun. All right. Last thing that I'm going to ask you, we're sneaking in a little early listener question here. This comes from Tommy Artie on our Discord server. What kind of pirate inspirations did you draw from for Jewel of the Indigo Isles? What, in your opinion, is the best pirate fiction? Ooh. So unlike Griff, I have not been able to get into one piece so that is that is something <laughs> that is huge and daunting and there's so much out there dude i that that's mm. it's understandable i mean it, it was like a two-year undertaking for me to you know get caught up so um i've already mentioned two of them muppets treasure island is near and dear to my heart like i mentioned i'm a 40 year old man so muppets treasure island is something i grew up with master and commander is also huge it's not i guess that's not really pirate but it is napoleonic navy and yeah, I, yeah, I fucking love Very that movie. Yeah. Fucking love that movie. Um, Hook was huge. That was the very first VHS that I legit wore out as a kid. I had to make my parents buy a second copy of <laughs> mm-hmm. Goonies. Pretty big. Pretty big. Oh, oh sure. Great. Yeah. Oh, Goonies is so great for the adventure you're running. Too. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, more recently, um, probably the most recent one is Our Flag Means Death. 
I was yeah. just gonna ask 100% if you've seen that. Yeah. that show fucking rocks. It's amazing. Yeah, it's so funny. Absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Steve, I'd like to ask a question that is on your list that I just think is before we leave any of okay. this, it's something that I know a lot of people ask when they're looking for a new Pathfinder show. So, Jason, can you give us the rundown of the party as it stands yeah. currently? So Absolutely. The, maybe the ABCs of each one. You don't have to go too much into detail on them, but I know okay. people love to, you know, it's like, oh, for instance, is any actual play running with the dragon? Is anyone doing sure. it? Sure. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, they're doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I am going to be a bit cagey. That's fine, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, And I'll explain why here. One of the things that I am doing is that I allowed my party to have a rare trait at character creation. The stipulation was that it had to be a secret. So that is something. So I'm a big Guillermo del Toro fan. Good. He's my very favorite director. And one of the things he does when he writes a movie and he directs a movie is he often gives his actors a diary or a trinket or a memento of some sort. And he says that this is very special to the character, but it is secret to your character. And that just helps inform the actor and it helps take their craft to the next level. So what I said to the party was that you can choose a rare trait, but I want you to keep it a secret to your character up until the point where it has to come out into the open. So it, you keep a secret to you and to the rest of the party. Mm-hmm. So um, even two of my crew, Sarah and Cynthia, uh, they're a married couple. They don't even know what, you, what each other's <laughs> secret trait is. So let me give you a quick rundown. We have the party's rogue. They're uh, non-binary. Their name is Syl. They are a fletchling undine heritage. Dope. Thief rogue. And background is no longer a secret. They're amnesiac. Oh, nice. Mm. We have Rizurk, who is a dragon, a toadstool dragon, druid. Background is Song of the Deep. Like, that's also no longer a secret. Okay, that's so Rizurk. We have Procta, who is a half elf witch. Background is cultist. Her rare trait is her patron, so she's not. She hasn't said that, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna reveal what that is. Don't reveal. Yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yep. The gunslinger is Wanjik, human gunslinger, and nobody's figured out what his rare trait is yet. Hmm. Okay. And then the last of the party is uh, Rodin. He is a Knoll monk, and Ooh. nobody's figured out his rare trait either. So that's still coming up. Mountain Stance Monk. Mountain Stance Monk. Yeah. The party comp is very fun to listen to because, I mean, it's not completely non-standard, right? You don't have your big healer. Your witch is your primary, you know, caster in essence, like a wizard would be. Mm -hmm. You know, you have have your, your witch, your druid, and then you've got like a gunslinger, thief rogue, and a monk. Um, And I'm missing one. Now, so you got the. Did I get all of them. You get the five: the witch, the druid, the monk. Yeah, okay, the, I got the, them. All. I got them all. So mm-hmm. like, so like, yeah, that's not your. Uh, the, very far from your fighter wizard. Uh, rogue cleric. Ro- uh, you got a rogue, I guess, but you mm-hmm. know, to be uh, also an undying fetchling is uh, pretty unique as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's. Uh, I remember because I had actually listened recently about 
you know, two, three weeks ago to like the character introductions episodes and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. (laughs) Yeah, It's a blast to play. It's fun, too, because um, Rachel, who's playing the rogue, she recently was talking about it in one of our mutiny episodes, how she like she she fully anticipated going into this being really like sneaky and like super roguey. Like she went, mm-hmm. she went uh, fetchling to get like the hide in the shadows feats yep. and everything, yep. mm-hmm. and she ended up like kind of naturally being forced into being the face. <laughs> yeah, and ended up like become like organically becoming the mom of the party. Or she's like, no, please don't do that. No, no, <laughs> son of a. <laughs> Like counter to every rogue ever. Yeah. Right? You know, it's like you should be saying that about the rogue. Exactly. Not from the rogue. It's it's so Playing funny. Against type is fun. Yeah. yeah. It's so yeah, funny. It's, well, it's yeah, it's really cool because like it's such a diverse party that then like you know the best laid plans, right? Right. You know, go out the window the second they all get together. Yep. So it's, it's definitely fun to hear you guys, especially like you know the this first like ten or so episode as you kind of like introduce the adventure and introduce the party how yeah it's just like your your expectations even start to be subverted right away <laughs> nice all right well i think at that we're going to take a quick transition and move over to a topic that i think you two are going to really hit it off on <laughs> um, i just have written on the agenda meat smoking because when we threw this together you guys said you wanted to talk about it i don't know a damn thing about meat smoking so i'm gonna let you guys talk i don't have any discussion Mm -hmm. points go that's fair all right so i gotta ask like right off the bat you know i've already seen pictures in our cooking channel and our discord and stuff of the stuff that you smoke Mm -hmm. so i want to start thousand foot view what's your rig What, what do you smoke on so I recently gotten into a pit barrel. Are you familiar with pit barrel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got I got a pit barrel last year. My organization gave all the employees. I think it was kind of a um, shit. We're sorry about COVID. Here, take a bonus <laughs> kind of thing. And we all got we all got a five hundred dollar gift card. And so I took that and I put it into a smoker. So I bought a pit barrel smoker. For those who are listening who aren't familiar with it, think of it as an oil barrel, but like don't smoke in an oil barrel. So like if any of yeah, so you <laughs> if any of y'all get the, get any bright ideas, don't smoke it because the lining of that is super toxic. But it's the shape of an oil barrel, and the it uses rebar, and you actually hang the meat from the rebar, and so the smoke actually goes up and circulates around the meat as it hangs. Mm. So that's what that's what I use. Uh, yeah, I've, I've started really experimenting with wood. That's been the type of wood has been what I've been really playing with and toying with lately. All right. Is that uh, sorry, yours is probably like a you have a side fire uh, no, fire box with the No, so it's at the bottom. So there's a Okay. All right. So I use a uh, lump charcoal and there's a basket, so you just basically open the lid and you put it down into the be- at the bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. There's vents at the bottom for the airflow, mm-hmm. and you can pull it all out then too. And then you put your wood on top of the coals. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, what do you use? I have two smokers. One is well, they're they're both Rectex, so mm-hmm. they're both pellet fed guys. But one is the low and slow. 
and the other ones was called like a Rectech Bullseye, which I actually recommend to anyone that wants a pellet grill. It's a round thing. It kind of reminds me of of just like a basic charcoal grill, mm-hmm. but it's it's pellet fed and it has this setting called riot mode, which uh, like when you put it on riot mode, it, the, the way the pellet grills work is they is they feed the fire at a, at a controlled rate based off of the temperature that you're trying to keep it at. And the riot mode basically turns that sensor off and says, I don't care what temperature it's at. I'm going to keep feeding pellets. So it like looks like hell when you open it. Like it's like hellfire coming out of this thing. <laughs> and so the way that I use that is when I'm either if I've smoked a steak. So oftentimes I'll smoke steak in the summer. I'll finish the steak out there in the winter. I just prefer to do it in a pan. Yeah. But uh, it, you know, it gets to like 700 degrees. So just to sear oh, stuff, shit. you can, yeah. you can steer, sear stuff in seconds. I've done it with smoked chicken wings where, you know, a lot of people, try chicken wings and if you don't use baking soda they and you smoke them they end up being like rubber skin garbage but when you char them like that they get crispy as hell hell at that temperature you could probably do a pizza dude oh yeah you could you could you could put a pizza stone in there for sure it's not quite like a green egg because that's like that controls it at the higher temperatures this is like do you want to lose control baby (laughs) Ryan, Ryan. <laughs> so, uh, so those are the two I use. I, I absolutely love smoking on those. But you know, with pellets, you kind of got to do. You know, if you want to experiment with wood types, you have to go to your local lumber yard, mm-hmm. and they'll you know turn wood scraps into pellets for you. Yeah. So, uh, I got into it through Haley's dad uses a Rectech. You know, he re- he recommended them, and then he was like. Here's a gigantic, you know, Christmas ornament container <laughs> of, of pellets. Like, here's uh, here's what I use. I got it from the lumberyard. Like, here's my competition blend, and here's like, here's my apple wood <laughs> over here. And he's got like a mass quantity of them. So I'll, um, I end up usually on an average smoke using like a competition blend type nice. thing. But I have a couple bags of just like single wood, you know, because sometimes you just want to smoke with an apple wood. Sometimes you just want to, you know, I've, I've tried like, I almost hate to say this, but I don't like mesquite by itself, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've tried it by itself <laughs> as an experiment, but I feel like that one that has to be blended. But, uh, so I'm not going, I'm not going whole logs. So I don't, you know, I, I kind of gotta, kind of gotta go by the nature of what, uh, what I can get pelletized. Yeah. We, I have the fort. Uh, the fortune of living literally a mile and a half away from an apple orchard. So I can go to the apple Ooh, orchard yeah, you got apple wood all the time. and just get some decent apple wood. So, yeah. But um, I can't get pecan wood. That's the problem. So I want to I want to get some pecan. And if I want to get pecan, I got to go basically to like a utility store and just pick up like yeah, exactly. wood chips, <laughs> you know. So, but yeah, I uh, the last thing I smoked mentioned at the top of the show has been way too damn cold. But the last thing I smoked was um, probably in October, and I think I shared the pictures. Of there was uh, was the um, the pork butt that I smoked, and God, that turned out phenomenal, man! It was so Jason, good. Jason, Jason, what are you good at smoking? What do you like smoking, and are those answers different? So, like, is there something that you know, like, you're fucking awesome at, and then there's there's something you just like doing? So, yeah, I think a pork butt's probably the one I excel at. At least that's 
the one my wife always tells me to that she wants me to make that she wants me to mm-hmm. smoke is uh, just some pulled pork. But that could also be the fact that that's her favorite thing that I sure like. She just loves pulled pork. The one thing I haven't done yet is a brisket. I have not done a brisket yet. Oh, you haven't done a brisket. I'm just so nervous, man, because they're so expensive. And I just like, dude, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you this, though. Every time I've smoked a brisket, it's turned out fine. Yeah. You know, I've never had a disaster with a brisket. And I've only had one time where I felt like it wasn't phenomenal. Because the internal temperature can get so high with a brisket. I mean, unless you're doing competition, which is like it's got to have a certain je ne sais quoi, I guess, like a certain like chew to it. But I never ascribed to those things. I I, kind of like it as soft and, (laughs) you know, as soft as as soft and juicy as possible, Mm -hmm. uh, which isn't how we like it on the HLP. It it isn't the it isn't the competition (laughs) trend. Regardless, you know, I, I think a brisket can hold temp up to like 205. Yeah. And like at that point, when it's got that much leeway, yeah. I mean, as long as you have time to smoke it and it's not like this needs to be for six o'clock dinner, as long as you got time to smoke it and you can savor it when you have it. Yep. I, that's what I would do the first time you smoke one is just be like, I'm smoking this. Like, I'm going to start it at this time. I don't really know when it's going to be done, but like, we're really going to enjoy it when it is. Yeah. So, like, stay hungry, have a small mm-hmm. lunch or whatever. And <laughs> it might be done at 3 p.m. or it might be done at done at eight you know yeah yeah, yeah. but uh see the only uh factor that i don't even think about with yours is the fact that like you're hanging stuff i don't really know there is a grate on it and um yeah i'd I'd have to look it up i have to go to the forums and see how people do the brisket if they just put it on the grate or if they actually hang the brisket so this is an assignment that i want both of us to do this summer if you have room in a fridge and that is buy a brisket Mm mm-hmm Season the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. And for a month, keep it. Oh, age it. Okay. Yeah, age it. And then obviously you trim off all the, you know, yeah. awful stuff that happens <laughs> when it ages like that. But I really want to smoke an aged brisket. Oh, I've never you, done it. Oh, you've never done it. Oh, I was going to say, I've have, you, have done you done it. it before? The test would have been, if you've done it before, I could have Emily and Brooks over. And then I could have oh, them as a taste tester. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, Dude. Make extra if Brooks is coming. <laughs> but, but if Emily gets there, you will get the best feedback on the food you made you have ever gotten. Because okay. Emily, could, well, Cause she, she's she has never a PhD. In she, this. Would, she would never tell you if it wasn't good. <laughs> but <laughs> but she will tell you. She she will like nail down the binder you use. Oh, she's got the like. She's got the you know the tongue for it because of work because of being like a you know a food scientist like. She was picking out flavors in those root beers we did mm-hmm. that one time that I didn't even think were like yeah. in root beer. She has the PhD in food science and also with her previous job took some sort of internal course to become like some sort of certified taste tester or something. Right on. Right yeah, on. Yeah, she's legit. Yeah. But uh that's my biggest goal. I really want to Okay. I really want to smoke let's do it. an aged brisket. Have you ever met I think he goes by McNuggets? He's in our server. I don't know if he's in. No, he's not in our server, but I've seen him post in yours. So he uh, he makes barbecue blends. He's the guy that did Power Word Grill and the Alchemist Fire Barbecue guy. We should do one of his blends so that we get like a okay. We get like a static like a baseline. This is what we both. This is what we we both used. That way we can 
come back in months from now and be like, okay, here's yeah. the result of episode 104. <laughs> Dude, hey, yeah, follow up. I'll do a follow up episode. Yeah, yeah let's fun. do it. Follow up with it. Yeah. I think that'd be fun as hell. Oh yeah, we'll do it. I think that's like the next the next stage of where I want to go with smoking stuff is experimenting with like it, how the meat is prepared before because yeah. Dude, I, I feel like I can I could do almost anything besides salmon with a just yellow mustard slather and like my favorite rub. Right. And like let it go. Right. <laughs> right? But like doing something like that that kind of fundamentally changes the meat. I'm kind of excited to try. Yeah, that and um injections too. I haven't done any injections. I haven't done any I've the only, the closest I've done to an injection is with Thanksgiving Day turkey, and it's not really an injection, it's more like a We'll separate the skin and we'll get like, we'll do um, like seasoned butter pats mm-hmm. all throughout the skin to tr- try and keep it moist because that's a balancing act too, yeah. smoking turkey. Skin, I haven't gotten the skin to turn on right yet. But no, um, yeah, I, I am down. I think my my next thing is I'm going to upgrade the pit barrel to the pit barrel XL. All right. Because last summer we found out that our basically our house has become the barbecue house because I just Hell yeah. I feel you there. Yeah. I love smoking. So um the last time we had folks over was in October and we had thirteen people over. That regular pit barrel it wasn't big enough, man. I needed to get more <laughs> need to get the need to get the XL size. Well, you got to get the community to pitch in then. <laughs> They're going to benefit from your pit barrel. You get them to pay up for the upgrade. Right? right? Yeah. <laughs> so I think um Let's definitely do the age brisket. And then ultimately, the end game for me would be to do, um, you dig a hole in the, and you smoke oh a pig God. in the hole. That would be Dude, so we, good. Like, meet somewhere in the middle and just do that on someone's right? property? <laughs> I want to do that so bad. And it, well, well we, no know, we know a couple people in Chicago, right? <laughs> right, hell yeah, we do. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure the soil's great. Chicago, yep. <laughs> Chicago's never verbed to pull that off. Chicago named after like the stinking onion fields it was built on. <laughs> oh man, that's the ultimate version of smoking, right? Because that's like no apparatus required. Right. My own like digging a hole and smoking, you know, and, and smoking a whole but, hog. Yeah, 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 smoking a whole hog in the hole. That would be so cool. That, that's the that's the ultimate drinking all day activity. Oh, oh yeah, smoking, smoking a hog in a hole. You can drink whatever you want that day. Yeah, I'll, you're the king. You're lit the king. By the time the hog come out the hole, let me tell you, you got a hog in a hole. You're the king of the whole place. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I think that's that's a pretty fair summation of meat smoking. I mean, I didn't contribute much, but I really did enjoy listening, and I'm a little hungover, and I'm starving now. <laughs> so let's do a couple listener questions. We're going to do some last-minute plugs and call it a day. So the first one comes from Dry Wagon Tickets on our Discord. This is a question for me, so a question for Steve. Is it hard no longer being the best-looking man on Zone of Truth? This was asked specifically when uh, Dry Wagon Tickets knew that Jason was coming on. <laughs> so I think... I, it's it's a little confusing because it's like, I guess this is a, a first of all a slam on you, Griffin, saying that uh, I'm I mean, hotter than you. I already knew that. Okay, all right. I'm glad we're on the same page. But well, Jason, I mean, it's it's it's, a, it's meant for different tastes. I think I think that's, that's what this, this boils down to. Yeah, to each their own. Jason, looking great on the Zoom today, oh, thanks, of course. Man. So yeah, I'm taking it pretty bad. You're taking it pretty bad. <laughs> I've been showing up. He's he's looking fresh. He's looking fresh. He brought a better drink than either of us. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> 
You just got, you just got to grow the handlebars. He's rebar. What am I doing with my life, you know? Just grow the handlebars, Steve. Come on. Oh, dude, I can't grow facial hair. Oh, really? No. I, yeah. yeah. I get, it's, it's, uh... I basically just get it under my chin and down my neck. Okay. So, and then, like, just random hairs on my face. It's worse than mine. So, mine's it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really awful. So, I've been clean-shaven my entire life because I can't. You look like Trent Reznor in the perfect drug music video. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I try to grow it out. I look like I'm on drugs. Uh, it's a bad look. So no, no, I, I I don't do facial hair. Still waiting for that to come in. This, you know what they say? It usually comes uh, between your thirties and your forties, right? Yeah, still waiting. <laughs> uh, same, same user dry wagon tickets asked the question for you, Jason. If there was a new anime based off your favorite '80s movies, what would it look like, and who would produce it? This seems specific. You know, this is Sir Newt. Mm -hmm. Um, so Cody's He's trying to hide, but it's him. Yeah, 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 we know this. And he knows I am an I'm an 80s kid and I love me my 80s movies. Mm -hmm. So I did end up doing some research on this. Although I am not the animeaholic as I believe the two of you are, um, much more so than I am. Yeah, um, you could call us uh, weebs or gaijins, I think it's the right versed. term. You call yep. us versed um, in the verse. I, uh, yeah. I am versed, however, in 80s movies. And so I did do some research. And I have watched a little bit of anime. And so I have decided on three. Okay. I've decided Ghostbusters All right. would yeah. be redone by Studio Trigger, who did Kill a Kill. Oh, love Kill a Kill, yeah. I have decided that none other than famed Studio Ghibli, or Ghibli, should do Raiders of the Lost Ark. I was like, okay. okay. Well, who better than, um, than the folks who did... Uh, Howl's Moving Castle to do Indiana Jones. I mean, that just seems to fit, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then my favorite anime is Cowboy Bebop. So Sunrise should do Bloodsport because obviously the choreography in... That's such a good pick. My God. The choreography in Cowboy Bebop is second to none. And if anybody's going to do a martial arts movie and the best martial arts movie from the 80s is Bloodsport... Dude, Bloodsport is so good. Right? <laughs> that's the Kumite one, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh boy. That's Vin it. That's how like if I if I ever ran Ruby Phoenix, I would want to run yeah. it like Bloodsport. Right? You really need a talented anime studio to get the Van Damme splits right. Right? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and to, just to punch a sumo wrestler right in the junk. <laughs> yep. Oh, I forgot about that move. That was yeah, he, did, he does a split to get down low so he can punch someone's crotch. Yeah, it's absurd. Yeah. All right. Last question of the day. This comes from Leather Lad, who we were speaking about earlier. How often do you do the Carrion Crown voices off air? Jace, I'm going to extend this to you as well. I mean, not our voices, your own voices, <laughs> yeah. of course, unless you do our voices, which is okay. That's fair. <laughs> And then he says, like, does Steve ever just do the Matumbe voice when he's alone in his apartment? I guess I'll start this and say that the only times that I really do this is one when I'm workshopping a new voice, when I'm trying to figure out what a new character is going to sound like. And then two, I'll speak in character a lot while I'm just like wandering around my apartment when I am getting ready for a big role play moment that I know is coming. The one that I 
can think of most easily is like the big Vec reveal. I think that's like episode 36 or whatever in Bestow Curse. Like because the voice is not my own, I wanted to say the things that I wanted to say over and over to make sure that like I can focus on what I'm saying and conveying it the best way possible and not need to worry about the accent. So basically the answer is when I need to make something new and then when I need to practice something because I'm worried that I'm going to screw it up. Let's kick it to Jason. Well, I, well, I just would have to say, though, you don't have to practice in the Tassi voice, though. The Tassi's practice. Oh, that's pretty, that's pretty easy, though, right? Yeah. Natasi practices me. Let's be honest. Natasi malpractices you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just got done catching up on hideous tomfoolery, though. So, my God, mm-hmm. dude. That cliffhanger. It's like leaving me at that? Really, Adam? Well, I think, I think the issue is that that's not the ending Adam had uh, envisioned. No, it <laughs> was not. Yeah, we have a couple more episodes before we're done. The book, the actual, like... Is this the last section of book three? I think so. Oh, uh, yeah. So, so like, he wanted to release book three. And then it was finally, like, we set a date to record again. And he was like, well, I'm just going to... Because I need to know what I'm talking about anyway. Go back to what we just did and edit it. And he was like, well, I may as well just release it. Oh, fair enough. So, for me, I do find that I'm not doing the same NPCs very often. So, for me, I'm always flipping through the NPCs as a GM. There are a couple of companion NPCs that join the the party, and those are fairly standard voices, so I don't need to practice, so I don't really find myself doing it. What I will say, however, is that I do play in a couple games off that are unrecorded and I play as players. Well, one of the characters I'm playing is a life oracle gnome in Abomination Vaults. And his voice is eerily similar to Rizzard's voice on my podcast. And what I will find myself doing is sliding into Rizzard. Like, it just like, because they're, yeah. they're very similar. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait, no, that was Rizzard. That's not cute. So it's like, um, mm-hmm. I'll find myself sliding into a to one of my PCs more so than I will find myself talking in one of my character voices. Sure, sure. And then... Griff, I'm sure you never do voices off mic. So it's pretty, at least well known by Haley, that if if I'm like messing around with a voice, it's going to inevitably be an NPC at some point. But that's more just because I like to mess around with doing voices Mm -hmm. than anything else. (laughs) I like to bother people with them. (laughs) But I will say like my Speak With Plants character's voice, I have been effing around with all the time, especially when I've been drinking. Uh, because it, you know it's the same as the the voice we've all been doing. <laughs> yeah, I want to um, ask so many questions, but I don't want spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be here you, soon. You, you can ask them when we hang up uh, or stop the recording. Yeah. As far as like, I, I kind of agree with Jason here on NPCs, though. It's, it's a little difficult to you know have an NPC that is so prevalent that you feel like you need to like practice them. And usually when I have an NPC that's that prevalent, I try not to do a difficult voice for them. Exactly. I'll say the one time where I like found myself practicing all the time was in book two when we had Barrister Copple. Yeah. And because I was trying to do like an authentic stutter and not like make it ridiculous, and because that's not my speech pattern at all, I found that I had to practice that. I couldn't do the voice if I didn't practice it. So 
and it was my own voice with a stutter. So it wasn't even like it wasn't even like I was put on an accent or anything with that guy. It was just me stuttering. But that was way more taxing than doing an accent for me. So it, I found that I had to practice that a lot. I agree. It's like you want to get the, the voice character without how do I want to put it without making fun of exactly. Like for in, in your example, like you you don't you wouldn't want it to go into like Adam Sandler or you're right. just making like the Adam Sandler, do, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, unless you're playing Sandy Adams, then you absolutely want to. Completely right. different story, but yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, but 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 exactly. Like if you're gonna do something like that, or even like Matumbe's voice, just because it's not a standard like European accent, mm-hmm. right? It, it's something that like you want to practice a ton just to make sure that like you're doing it in a way that is sensitive it's to people that talk offensive. that way, yeah. you know, that, that isn't a, outright offensive. You know, I'm, I'm like drawn to like, I know everybody is listening to like GCP, like when Joe did forebears, I know mm-hmm. he talked about like all the freaking background work he did to try and not make that offensive. Yeah. It still, it still didn't, you know, fly a hundred percent of the time. Right? right. So it's like, I think for, for that kind of voice, you definitely have to, you definitely end up practicing just so that you're not, sliding into like a stereotypical accent or something for sure for sure all right boys well i think we did it i think we're closing it up here i got a little bit of wrap up and housekeeping that i want to do so jason you just mentioned it a moment ago but there are new episodes of htf now that's our crossover that griff and i do with a couple of our friends over on the stf network where can you find that? Well, you're not downloading it from your uh, regular RSS feed. You got to go find it. So if you want to listen to us play through some Attack of the Swarm, go and hit up either our Discord or the STS Discord and you'll get those episodes. They're a lot of fun. Uh, we're, I think, recording some more of that soon. So that means we'll probably drop it in nine months, but more's <laughs> coming. Besides that, more housekeeping. Our next Drunk and Discorderly is Saturday, the 4th of February, which I believe is at the end of the week when this drops. And then the next weekend, the 11th, is Zona Truth Live. Jason, at this time, I want to give you an opportunity one last time to plug anything 25 North related or you related in general. I will say before you do, though, the podcast is awesome. Audio's good. It's a lot of fun. I actually first dipped my toes in with a couple bonus episodes that y'all released. It's not your full cast. You have some uh, some special guest stars for a double header of episodes. That is a two week conversion of Weeby Goblins, a, a classic one shot from first edition. And let me tell you, I really, really enjoyed that. So oh, thanks, brother. Um, that's how I got started. I'm going to pick up the rest of the show. I'm still uh, still subscribed. But if you want to give it a try, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if that's a great place to start, but that's where I started. Um, <laughs> fair, fair enough, man. You can start from one and you'll enjoy it. That's, yes. that's where I started. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right, Jason. Yeah. I'll, go ahead. So, if you want to plug anything, it's all you. Yeah. I'll shout out Weeby Goblins. Weeby Goblins was a was a gift to our NPC NPC voice cast. I had mentioned earlier in the show that we do cold opens and I have some major NPCs that are voiced by some of our community. And as a thank you to the community, I invited them to join our Weeby Goblins cast. So that was a big thank you to them. We recorded it and we published it. So thank you to that crew. You can check that out 
can find us at twitter.com uh, slash 25 North Podcast. Our website is 25northpod.com. We're on all the podcast feeds, all the podcatchers. Come listen to us. We have basically three shows now. So the main show, Julian to Isles, the Goblin Mode shows where we are. I'm in the process right now of converting We Be Goblins 2. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we I'm are definitely gonna checking get, that out. We're going to yeah. get more Goblin shenanigans from the NPC crew that will be coming later this spring. And we have a behind the scenes show that we call Mutiny. We have three episodes right now. Two are available on our public feed. Patreon subscribers get early access to that show. Yeah. So come check us out. And we have a Discord. Love to have you on our Discord, too. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we did it, guys. Jason, you were a phenomenal guest. Thanks, for man. Our first Zone of Truth guest this year. We'll have to get you back once we have the meat smoked age challenge done. Absolutely. Do this again sometime. And I, I guess we have some chelish Navy shit to talk about as well. Hell so, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Briskets and navies. Briskets and navies. <laughs> that sounds like a great show title. <laughs> I mean, that's it right there. <laughs> Call it what it is. Well, Jason, congratulations. You succeeded. Your will save. You made it out of the zone of truth. And Griffin, is there anything you want to say to the folks at home? Well, I, I first want to say thank you so much for joining us, Jason. We really appreciate yes, you appreciate having you on here. Appreciate it, gentlemen. But also, finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later. <laughs>